Okay, guys, let's get uh, let's get rolling here. Good deal. All right. Uh, it's good to see everybody this morning. It's good to have you. If you're watching us online, we're extremely grateful that you chose to be with us. This is a. Uh, my name's Dan Spaeth. I'm one of the elders here, and this is our Friday, our Sunday morning Bible study. They kind of run together sometimes. This is our Sunday morning Bible study. We're going to be in Second Timothy chapter one. You want to start turning over there, and uh, we uh we had a great retreat, and it, it was awesome. We had about thirty guys there, and the food was awesome. You know, thanks to the guys that there's two of them in here, uh, Jared and, and Jim helped with the food, and Robert. Uh, I don't and. and who else? Jimmy, Jimmy Walters. Walters helping food. It was awesome. Man. So uh, you know, it was uh, it was a good day. We had, we had, we busted into groups and, and did a, did some things in a group and it was really 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 good. So uh, the kids there was we had seven or eight little boys that were there. They had a great time. You know they were a bunch of them. I think all of them were up at the end of the table playing the game Sorry there for for a while and they were they're making so much noise I couldn't hear I couldn't hear the guy sitting across from me. So. But it was fun. It was a good day. It was a good day. So, but anyway, uh, I, we got a we got an update about Roberta just a while ago. Uh, they saw her in rehab. Uh, they're trying to get her back to rehab here. Uh, you know, they're you know she's got a good outlook. She still can't talk on the phone. She can't do any of that kind of stuff. But uh, but they uh, they have they're hopeful that uh, she's going to get better. So. And, uh, and they had to take uh, Paul back to the emergency room last night. So I don't know. I think he's still in the hospital, I think. Paul Marshall. They had to take him back to the hospital last night. They, they took him back to Depart. So I'm not sure if he's still there or not. They were talking about when I left. So, But anyway, uh, just keep praying for those folks. And, you know, there's folks in that on the list that need to be prayed for. Huh? We don't have an address or anything we can send cards to provide. Talk to Pam. Uh, I don't know if she's gonna be there very much longer. You know, I think I would wait till uh, till if she got to the Pam unit here. Yeah. You know, I think that's probably where they'll bring her to the Pam unit here. But I don't know. Aaron doesn't know. You know that. You know, we get we get updates. You know, every couple of days. So, but anyway, uh, uh, I don't have anything else. There's lots of stuff going on. Y'all know, in a, in a group this size, there's always gonna be stuff going on. So. Uh, so just uh, just pray for this church, pray for the things that are going on here, people here. Whether you know what it is or not, doesn't really matter. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to uh, to be here this morning, to be in a place where we can call. We know that you call us children, uh, your children, uh, for us to be in a place where we can call you our father. Uh, we know, Father, that uh, it's the only way we have that right. And only have, we have that privilege is because of your son and what he did for us. We pray your blessings upon this church as we move forward, as we strive to be the family here. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would uh, that you bless us and, and deal with the, the things that we're dealing with. Uh, Father, we we uh, there's always struggles in a family, 
and, and their struggles here. And I just pray, Father, you know them, you know the people that are struggling with their health. Uh, we pray that, you're, that you'd be in those situations, and we know that there are people that are struggling spiritually, and we pray that you'd be with them as well. Thank you, Father, for the opportunities to, to study this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to worship together as a family. Uh, Father, help us to remember uh, that there may be people here this morning that the only time they see anything spiritual is when they're here. Help them to see the spirituality in us. Help them to see your son in us. Help them to see a, a sense of, of compassion and empathy and, and forgiveness and love and mercy in us uh, as they, they, they may not see it other places. Father, we need them to see it here. And we thank you for the opportunities. Bless us. Encourage us as we study. Help us to learn and help us to grow. And it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. Second Timothy is the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy. He writes this letter to uh, to encourage him. This is probably what we think. What we think is this is probably the, the the last letter that he writes. Uh, he writes from prison. He's in the prison in Rome. He knows that his time is short. He knows he's not going to be here long. He knows that he's going to that he is that this time it's not going to be house arrest. This time he's probably going to be he's going to be eliminated, and he knows that. And he's and he writes this young preacher, uh, and he's in, concerned about him. And there's a lot of things that we can learn. Some of it is written specifically to him, but there's a lot of it we can learn. And I think the things that we that we're studying in chapter one, you know, we talked about his mom and his and his grandmother and how their spirituality is where is where he got his spirituality from. That it first lived in them, and then it then it translated to them. We talked about the example we need to be in our families, whether it's children or whether it's grandchildren. We need to have be that kind of example so they can see it in us. Uh, and if it and when we finally realize that. That there is a truth out there. Now listen carefully, guys. There is a truth out there that we should be striving to attain to. Okay? And in our culture and people's lives today, there's all kinds of things that are that are tainted with truth. Okay? They're sprinkled with truth. But it doesn't, you know, I, I, I was around a, a numerous uh, preachers the other day. And I was uh, I was amazed at how how uh, many of them many of many of their ideology is they sprinkle truth bits and pieces on a on an, on a, on an issue and think that's enough and that's not enough when you don't understand when you when you take bits and pieces of scripture and you take it from here and you take one from over here and you sprinkle it's like salting your food all right you're trying to season it with bits and pieces. I want to get in the, I want to get in the meat of it. I want to talk about it. That's why I'm going to deal with it verse by verse. That's why we're going to we're going to deep into it, you know, like like we do. I want to do that because because there's too much of that out there. Your children are going back to school. Your grandkids are going back to school. Guess what they're going to go back to school to? That same mindset. Okay? And you need to be aware of that. We're going to, we're not going to do that here. We're not going to do that in my class. If you want that, then you'd have to go to another class. So I'm not going to sprinkle truth on it. We're going to tell you what the book says. And then you're going to have to make a decision what you're going to do with it. Yeah, that's your that's going to be your decision. Here he said, he talks about, you know, what we ended up last week. He said, you know, and I'm just going to read this verse. It's in uh, uh, verse uh, 6 and 7. He said, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit gave us that God gave us does not make us timid. Now I'm going to stop. You know, we talked about God giving us a spirit. There's a lot of places out there that have all different kinds of mindset of what that means, what it means to have the Spirit. I think the book teaches pretty clearly that when I'm converted 
And when I've had my sins washed away by the blood of the by the blood of the Son, God comes in and takes up residence. And you only get to that point when you understand the Old Testament and the New, and you understand what the tabernacle and what the temple was like, and what God, what the significance of that was. When the temple was clean, God moved in. When He tells me in in in, in the letter to the church at Corinth that I am the temple, it's only logical that at some point when it's clean, God's going to move in. And what he says, he says he's given me that gift, the indwelling of the Spirit. And he said the Spirit doesn't make you timid. But we're going to look at a little bit of what he says here, and then we're going to move on. But look at what he, what he says in verse in verse 8. He said, well, let me, let me finish that verse 7. He said, but he gives us, the, the, us power, love, and self-discipline. I want to look at a couple of scriptures that talk about that, all right, in, in different places. So you might need to write these down and go back to them later, but I'm going to, we're, we're going to go to them and read them. Uh, but this idea of power, uh, we have all the spiritual resources because God lives in us uh, to, to meet every need and every trial that comes up. Okay? When we don't, it's because we're not taking advantage of the power that is available to us. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 3. Now look at verse 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Remember, we're talking about, you know, I have an indwelling spirit. When I was baptized in Christ, I was washed clean. I have an in, that God has indwelled me. He tells me in a couple of places, you need to keep in step with the spirit. The spirit's got a direction. The spirit's got an agenda. It's going to go somewhere. It's going to take you there if you'll go. If you won't, you know, if you won't listen to him, there gets a point where he will walk away. But, you know, when we, well, that's another study. But when you look at this, I'm looking at it saying, okay, what does the Spirit bring? What are the what are the, the advantages He brings to me in my life? Well, one of them is power. Now look at what He says here. Look at verse twenty. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all all generations, forever and ever. And amen. He said the power that's available to us is immeasurable. You can't even begin to imagine what God can do in your life. Why is it then that it seems like, you know, that, that life becomes so chaotic in our lives sometimes? Why do you think that is? Why has it become so chaotic? Because we try to do it on our own. Because we try to do it on our own. We make one choice, it doesn't go well. So we make another choice, and that one doesn't go well. And we make another choice, that one goes pretty good. And we make another choice, that one doesn't go well. Pretty soon, what do we have? We have a life full of chaos. We're not dead. We're not tapping in because he's going to tell he's going to tell Timothy here. You can turn back over just a second. He's going to tell Timothy, so don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. And, and I want to read verse eight, and then we're going to come back to this. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in the suffering of the for the gospel by the power of God. Okay. Paul is in prison. He said, "I'd like for you to come see me," but that puts your life in jeopardy. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Stand up for what the truth is. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I watched Cole the other day, and we're in this in this these classrooms, and uh, Cole has uh, no problem telling you exactly, you know, in a in a in a gathering like that, and uh, and it was, uh, it, you know, he said he looked at him, he said, I am not a pastor. I am not a pastor. He said, he pointed, he said, he pointed to me, he said, he's a pastor. I'm not. 
He said, you know what I am? He said, I'm a pulpit preacher. And he said, my job is to teach the truth. And he said, I'm going to teach the truth, and I'm going to throw it out there, and some people are going to like it, and some people aren't. He said, that's not my problem. My problem is I have to teach the truth. Because that was not what we were hearing in the, in the, in the, in the, the whole thing. So, And I thought, wow, pretty cool, man. You know, But he's not afraid. The guy is not afraid to stand up for what he knows is the truth. Why is that? I think part of it is because he has a power living in him. We have power living in us that gives us confidence. Doesn't make us timid. It makes us confident. Doesn't make us arrogant. It makes us confident. You know, and he said, he said, you have the spirit that, that brings power in our lives. He said, the power that's available is immeasurable. There's some that you can't even begin to ask or imagine what God can do when it comes to the thing. And we're going to talk about the suffering here in a minute. David, go ahead. He has a self-discipline that most people don't have. Well, yeah, and, and we're going to get there in just a minute. So keep that thought in just a minute. Look. He says he get he says he gives us power and love. A love that centers on God and seeking others' welfare. What is God's primary? What is his goal? What's God's goal? What's his purpose? What does he want? He wants people to be saved. Right? Would y'all agree with that? God wants everyone to be saved. He tells us he's not, he's not slack in this. He doesn't, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want them to perish. He wants everyone to come to an understanding of Christ. That's what he wants. So what should be my agenda? What should be your agenda? What should be our agenda? What should it be? Same thing. Right? Does God love people? Does God love people even that are unlovable? Yes. How many of you have someone in your life that's not really lovable? I'm talking about the ones that you can look them in the face and say, you don't really like that person very much. <laughs> you know, that kind of person. Got one of them? I know a couple of you, and I, I see your head moving. I'm not going to even look at you, but I, I know your heads are moving. I know, I, know the, I, I, I know the unlovable person in your life. You know? <laughs> but the, the point is, is that God says, I still love them. I still love them. I may not be able to deal with them or like them very much, but I still love them. And that's a very difficult concept to grab a hold of, okay, for us to grab a hold of. I'm going to love that, that person in my life even when they don't do things that are really lovable, okay? And he said, and, and I, I want you to turn to, to Galatians chapter 5, okay? Just, just look at Galatians chapter 5. Now, I'm not going to read all this. I'm just going to read the first line, okay? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, look at what he said, but the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22, chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is what? What's the first thing the Spirit brings to you? Love. So if I have an indwelling of the Spirit that's giving me power and love and self-discipline, the second thing he gives me with that power is love. Not love, necessarily love for myself, but love for you. When you're not lovable, love for me when I'm not very lovable. Love for those people that are that are bent on trying to destroy my family. I have to find a way to love them. Doesn't mean I'm gonna I can deal with them the same way all the time, but I have to find I can't hate will never accomplish anything. It is not a gift that the spirit brings with him. If he's living in me, that cannot be part of my repertoire. It cannot be part of the what I bring to the table. Hey, and I see that way too much. I see it in couples' lives. Where they get to the point where they hate each other. That can't be, guys. Can't be. You may have you may have, uh, have gotten to a place where you think you can't live together anymore. You think you can't do this or that anymore. 
And if and most of the time I've found that it's choices that they've made that were selfish and self-centered, self-absorbed, and it didn't have anything to do with the mate or the other partner. And so now they've got to the part where now it's turned into hate. And that's not that's not healthy because that's not biblical. That's not where God is trying to lead us. The Spirit's not trying to lead us there. He's trying to lead us into the kind of love God has. If God's living there, when when the when they clean the temple up, when they clean the tabernacle, the first thing they built was a tent, and it was called the tabernacle. When they cleaned that up, and when they did that, you know, God told them you have to clean it. it has to be clean. And so they had to kill animals. And they killed a lot of animals. Lots and lots of animals. And they sprinkled the blood on everything. On the people. They sprinkled the blood on the people. They sprinkled the blood on the they sprinkled it on on uh you know, it's not good. Hold on. Uh they sprinkled it on the people. They sprinkled it on the books of the law. They sprinkled it on everything to clean it. And when they did, God moved in. Moved in. When they did, when Solomon built the temple, they cleansed the temple when it was finished, and God moved in. It scared them to death when God moved in. When God cleans this temple up, he moves in. And if he does, then he's bringing his character with him. Whose character needs to take a back seat? Mine. Mine. I need to let his character come out. And he says here, part of his character is, I'm going to bring power and love and self-discipline. Alright, now let's go back. And he said, and you remember that because, because there's going to come times in your life, Timothy, there's going to come a time in your life when I'm going to be gone, as Paul's talking to him, and if they're going to kill me, and you stand up for truth, what's the possibility could happen to Timothy? Same thing. Do you think that's a possibility in your life? Every day? In our culture today, probably not yet. Some places, yes. You think it's a possibility it could get that way? If people get far enough away from God, you think it could get that way? Absolutely. Look at biblical history. Biblical history tells you it's going to get, that's where it's going to get. So at some point, you're going to have to tap into the power. Maybe. You'll have to top it. If not you... If not you, then your children may have to, they may have to, because I saw it in my mom, saw it in my dad, and now here I am standing firm, and they may have to tap into it, and they may have to say, okay, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to stand for truth. Because you know what's easier? To sit in your chair and fold your hands and not do nothing. That's easier. That's a lot less threatening than standing up for truth. You know, and, and I, I, I want to be around people that have that kind of confidence, don't you? I want to be around because I want to. I want to see that from them. And then he said, and he said, uh, and self-discipline. Now, this is a. This is a. Uh, some of you. Did any of yours have a different, different? What it says there instead of self-discipline. Anybody have something different? Or does it all say self-discipline? Self-control. Some say of sound mind. Okay. Uh, you know, a sound mindedness. Is what some of some translations King say. King, King James says sound mind. Same idea. Okay. <laughs> that it's a it's a, to be focused on God and his purpose. These kind of doesn't it sound like these kind of tie together? You know, when your character, when you look at, at when somebody looks at you, you don't you don't have multifacets a lot of times of your cult, your character. You may have different ideology over here and there over here, but your character is going to stay focused on the on the same what? You know, if you're if you're involved in this lifestyle or this lifestyle. The character is going to stay the same. The Holy Spirit does too. Love, self-discipline, power. That's what he brings to you. That's what he brought to Timothy. So tap into that stuff. 
You say, I can't do that. Sure you can. How do you think you're going to do that? Well, let's, I want to I read this one first. Look at Romans chapter 12. Yes, ma'am. That power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's exactly right. That blows my mind. Yeah. Did y'all hear that? That power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Think about it. Jesus came out of the tomb, was dead. Would y'all agree he was dead? Didn't just pass out. He was dead. Okay. And that power raised him from the dead. That same power lives in you. Huh. Then why are you so afraid? Why are you so uh, in such chaos? Why is that? Tell me why you think that is. Why are you in such chaos? You know, if, if that's the same power that lives in you, then, and it's the same love, the same self-discipline, why? Yeah, Larry? <laughs> yeah. Larry said, we fight against it. We fight against it. And that's true. That's what we do. I want my way. I want it, what, what I want, and I want it right now. I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what you say. That kind of mindset that we bring to the table, you bring that to the table with God, because it's fine. Fine. Take off. See how far that gets you. A loving God is going to let you make choices that sometimes are not healthy. He's going to let you do that. And, and I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm going... Okay, look at look at chapter 12 of Romans and look at verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Same, same word. Sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. He said, look at yourself with the right frame of mind, right focus. Look at yourself with sober judgment, with self-discipline. I'm going to look at it. Tell me what self-discipline looks in your life, what it looks like in your life. What does self-discipline look like? Tell me what it looks like. Controlling your behavior. Controlling your behavior. Okay. Somebody else. What does what self-discipline look like? Controlling your tongue. Controlling your tongue. Anybody else? What, what do you think self-discipline? Not always, not always doing what you want to do. Okay. Hmm? Staying in the book. Staying in the book. You know, we, we have busted into groups. And we had a specific direction for the groups to go on at the retreat. You know, we had four of us that led groups. I led a group. Mark led a group. John L. led a group. And Dan Marshall led a group. And we had we had guys put in different groups. And we had certain questions. All, all the groups had the same questions. And we were going to discuss. And basically was how to become godly men. That was the, that was the idea. Is how to, become, how to become God's men. Men of God. And every one of them. Every one of them that I talked to got to the same place. We're not in the book enough. And we need to stay in the book. And we need to, and we need to be, be more spiritual, spiritually minded. You know, that's true. You know, you can't, you can't do this unless you are listening to the one that's going to give you direction. Why, why, why is it, why is it that, you know, what does self-discipline look like? What is it, what is it going to look like? I, making better choices. Making choices based on what somebody else needs, not what you need. Because sometimes, most of the time, I won't say all the time, but sometimes, the, the, the things that are dictated to you in your life are dictated because of somebody else. You've got little little kids. How much of your life is your own? Not much. Everything revolves around your children, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. But that's just the way it is. And at some point, you hope you've raised them well enough where they go off and have their own children and leave you be. 
That doesn't necessarily happen all the time, but you know, but you make choices. You make choices trying to get to that end, right? I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna make choices based on my children because that's the greatest need in my life right now, right? And sometimes you're gonna have to quit jobs. Sometimes you're gonna have to. There's gonna be things you. I'm not gonna be able to do certain things I want to do because this is not healthy for me and my family. I'm gonna have to discipline myself and not do all the things that I want to do, sometimes it's going to have to be about what other people need me to do. And I see a society of people, I'm not talking about here, but a society of people that's not willing to do that. They want what they want, they want it right now. Part of it, when you get into a church confines, it's called progressive liberalism. I, I want to think liberally, progressively, it means I'm going to do what I want, and we're going to do what I want all the time, or we're going to do what we want all the time, and don't make any difference what God says. And that, that kind of mindset has to get to a point where this thing becomes no longer relevant. That's what happens. When you start promoting progressive liberalism, that's what happens. This thing becomes irrelevant. Well, if that's the truth, if that's the case, if God's living in me and this is God's communication link to me, and this becomes irrelevant, now who am I listening to? Who am I going to listen to? Powers of darkness. I'm going to listen to, I'm going to listen to, maybe I'm going to listen to my wife or I'm going to listen to my husband who may be off, so far off in left field compared to the truth, but I'm listening to them say, well, i got to go do this because my wife said, you know, this my wife said, I need to go do this, I'm going to do that. Doesn't make any difference. What, or my husband's leading me over here and not worried about, well, maybe God does say, well, we're not going by the book anymore because it's irrelevant, remember? That's what happens when, when you look at this and say, if you're going to be self-disciplined, I'm going to do what I believe for my family, God is telling me to do. And I'm, and I'm going to expect her to listen to God herself, and then and then we're going to become a team, and we're going to go together. That's what I expect. Yes, ma'am, Linda? That's what the Scripture says. Most of the social issues that you find in the day-to-day, -day, and I'm not going to list them, but most of those things are people wanting to do what they want to do because it makes them feel good. Okay? That's what they want to do. It's all about, I want to feel good. And this, I feel this is okay. I feel this is right. If you, try to, if you try to approach them with, well, what does God say? They don't care. They don't care. They don't want to hear what God has to say. You know, they, they, just want, they just want to do what they want to do because it makes them feel good. Doesn't matter. So what happens eventually if we do that? What happens eventually? We become a godless society, a godless family, a godless individual. Right? God no longer has mastery over us. God no longer has no longer can tell us what to do. And and let me tell you something. When you start getting into the book and you start really looking and seeing, okay, what is God calling me to? It can it can hurt big time. It can be extremely difficult at times because He's going to call you. To, fall, to come away from lifestyle that you're so used to and have gotten so ingrained in it you think it's so it's so good and now he's going to have, have you come away from that lifestyle. And that can be extremely painful. All right? Look at verse 8. Anybody else have their hand up? Okay. Look at verse. Look, I want to look at verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, or me his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. All right, I'm going to stop right here. All right? I got, a, I got a question that I want to deal with. Why does God allow believers to suffer? 
strengthen their faith. Okay. You know, Paul said, I'm suffering here. Why didn't, why didn't God just get him out? He got he'd done it before. I mean, he, you know, when him and Silas were in prison in Philippi, you know, you know, walls crashed down. They were still there, and they went to the Philippian jailer's house and converted him, baptized his family. You know, why Why didn't he just let him out? Why, why is there so much suffering? Why is there so much, let me put it different. Why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much tragedy and trauma in the world? You know, I'm... We live in a fallen world from the okay. very beginning. We lived in a fallen There's world. Also, everybody has free will to make a decision on their own, so okay. a lot of people are just going to choose okay. the heart. Sometimes okay. the heart is wicked. Okay. Necessary. Did y'all hear all that? Somebody else? What did you say? What did somebody say? It's a necessary evil. Okay. Yeah, Jerry? It's it's a practicing contrast. Okay. Without evil, would we notice God? Mm -hmm. As much as okay, we could. okay, yeah, like without dark, you would notice the light. Or, you know. Okay. Count it all joy when you suffer. Do what? Count it all joy when you suffer. Okay. Count it all joy when you suffer. You know, my question is, is, is why does God allow believers to suffer? I mean, Paul is suffering. Could got him out. Timothy's going to suffer. He, he's telling him, "Don't be ashamed. This is what's coming. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. You know, this is what's coming. Don't be afraid. Stand up." He said, you've got the spirit of power and love and self-discipline in your life. Don't, don't worry about this. The power that can do can raise Jesus from the dead can certainly raise me up out of a situation if he chooses to and take me to heaven. You can do that, right? can. So don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be ashamed. But it still goes out. And I, and I asked you that question when that, when that word came up, and I knew when we started this chapter I was going to do this. You know, how many people I have talked to, how many people that you see on the Internet, that said, well, if, if a loving God, Allows people to suffer like this, and I don't want no part of it. I've had them say that, and I and I and I said, why does a loving God allow suffering like this if He's capable of fixing it? Maybe He's not capable of fixing it, and so they they develop an ideology about God, a doctrinal ideology, or a stance on God that says, well, He's not good enough, He's not any good if He can't fix this problem. Okay, that, that's what He says, right? Me, have you, any of you ever heard that? He did fix the problem with Jesus on the cross. He did, but that's not from their perspective. Is why didn't he fix the problem in my life? Why did he take away the suffering? Why did why does my dad have cancer? Why does why does my why did my mom die in a car wreck? Why did my son whatever and on you see what I'm talking about? On why did this happen? And I and I, I have seen Christians fall away because they couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that God allowed something bad to happen in their life. I've seen it happen. I've seen people that, that walked away from God because they blamed him. Why did you allow this to happen? There are whole books out there written. Yeah. Oh. On the, a whole book. Yeah. Why does God let bad things happen to good people? Yeah. I yeah. take this whole book to try yeah. to figure that out. And all we got to do is go to a couple of places in the Scripture and figure it out and God will tell us. Yeah, I, I want to take, take you to a couple of places, okay? Man's heart is just really wicked. Look at James chapter 1. Most of y'all know this one. Phyllis, go ahead. You had your hand up a while ago. What did you oh, want to say? I was just going to say that it allows your testimony to help someone else. Okay. All right. The darkness wants you to feel alone. Like, you are the only one that's ever been through that. But it allows the next step at the end to know that sometimes you can't see. Okay. Sometimes we'll never know the reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mark? Without evil, you would not know how good God is. That's been a, that you know. There's been a couple of no light, no dark. That, that, you know, that's y'all are all. That's all true. All right. You know, 
so, strength of a testimony from somebody like coming from like a bad place. Absolutely. And then like you know, and this is what brought me you know to light. It's even more powerful. I mean like with the bad that happens and coming to the good. There's only one real path to it is you know finding that path. And it, it's it could be a longer journey to yeah. get you know to where you are. But without you know some of that struggle, you can't really find the way to like. Like you, you'll never learn anything if everything's easy. Absolutely. So if I, everything's easy, I've got easy. some ideas on this, and we may not get through because I only got about seven minutes. So I, I'm gonna, we're gonna finish this next week. I'm not letting this go because it's important. Because this is, this could make up your idea of God yourself if you get beat up with this, but from somebody that you look at and say, I trust them. But now here's the, here's the dialogue that's coming out of them. You know, God must hate you because He's allowing this to happen. I've heard that been said before. I've heard that said in amongst people like you. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. When the trials come along, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I got a question here. Before we get into these scriptures, have you ever suffered for the gospel? Have you ever suffered? And that, that's what this this is talking about, Timothy. You're going to suffer. Don't be ashamed. You're going to suffer for the gospel. That's what Paul is in prison because of what he taught and what he believed. That's why he's in prison. He didn't rob a bank. He didn't kill somebody. He's in prison because he believed that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And the Romans couldn't deal with it. Nero couldn't deal with it. So they started killing Christians. They put him in prison. They're going to kill him. They're going to cut his head off. Okay? Have you ever suffered for the gospel? Not like they did. I, 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 mean, I mean, just suffering. Just, have you ever suffered? No, not like they did because we haven't got there yet. Yet. It may be a very real possibility down the road, but we haven't got there yet. Okay? But have you ever suffered in any way for the God, for the sake of the gospel? Yes? yes. How? Been in, in groups where, you know, we sit down, we pray, and have people heckle us and tell us, you know, why did you pray to I know that I know that Gary and Marilyn Underwood uh, went to, uh, I think, Burger Nation one day and prayed, and a guy guy asked them if they would stop, that he would, they made, they made him, they were making him uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? That may have not have happened, though. I've had more people say, thumbs up than have said that. Nobody's ever said that to me. Maybe I don't, uh, maybe I look more intimidating or something. I don't know, but I haven't had that happen to me yet. So, I mean, what I'm saying is, have you ever, now listen careful guys, have you ever, I, I know we've all suffered. That's all I'm talking about. I'm talking about suffering for the gospel. You suffer for the truth of the word. Have you had to, had to do that? Have you stood in front of a family member and they beat the garbage out of you psychologically and intellectually Trying to because of what you, you you take your stand on truth, and they beat you up. A mother turned on you. A father turned on you. A brother turned on you. Grandchildren turned on you. Have you had to do that because you stood for something true, and they said no, and they turned on you, and you suffered for it? That's what he's talking about here. Power, love, and self-discipline. What does that tell you? If you have done that, then there's power to get through it. Love to love them in spite of themselves, and self-discipline not to go down that path. I'm not going there. I'm not going after them because I know that's wrong. 
and I'm not going to go there. So that's why I asked, have you ever suffered for the gospel? I know we've suffered. Man, we've had, we have death has been in here, you know, people, people losing their salvation in here, you know, children dying, all kinds of stuff in here. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, you know, suffering for the sake of the gospel. And my question is how? And if you haven't, why haven't you? Why haven't you? I saw Cole put his neck on a line the other day. Stuck his neck out there and could have got it lopped off. And he said, I'm going to stand for the truth. And he did it twice. He did it in one situation, did it in another one. I was so proud of him, I could. I, I want to go over and kiss him on, on the cheek, man. Because I'm so proud of him for what he did. Because he was, because he was, he was adamant. I don't care what you think of me. This is what the truth is. This is what the truth said. And I'm going to stand for truth. Yes, ma'am. At Ryan's funeral, I saw the same thing. Oh. He was attacked. Cole funeral. got his clock cleaned at that funeral. Yeah. He got his clock cleaned, guys. Y'all yeah. have no idea. Y'all weren't there. You, I was. I heard about it because I was gone. I was with. I, I think I was in in Houston with George. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And and you know, they ripped him. They got up in front of the group and ripped him apart. You know why? Because he told them the truth. Told him the truth. And one of them got up and said, I just want y'all to know, don't believe none of that, what he said. He said, that you don't have to do that to go to heaven. God loves everybody. He'll take everybody to heaven. I think one person walked up to Cole and said, I appreciate what you said. I know not more than y'all, but there was one other person that walked up. He got his clock clean, man. I asked him. I called him. After I found out, I said, are you okay? He said, I'm fine. He said, I stood up for truth. They didn't like it. He said, not my problem. That's their problem. I stood up for truth. I told him the truth. And he and if you've ever been to a funeral that he's done, he's very kind and he's very compassionate, very empathetic, you know, and he tells he tells the truth. And like it. That's what I'm talking. And I'm not talking about to that extreme, but to to stand up for the truth and say to a to a husband or a wife, hey, this is what we're gonna do. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm taking my babies to church. You don't want to go fine. You don't want to go fine. But I'm going, stay out of my way. I'm going. That's standing up for truth. That's standing up. That's suffering. That, that's suffering for the gospel. That happens in some families. I've seen it happen before in some families. Where some one of them has said, Hey, I'm going. I'm going. You don't want to go. That's great. That's okay. That's your choice, but I'm going. You've just stood up for the truth. Or say, you can holler and scream at me all you want. You can say all the negative things you want. I'm not going to respond in kind. And I'm going to love you in spite of yourself. Oh, what a refreshing thought if some if families would if if some couples would do that. Say, so, you know what? I'm gonna love you in spite of you. I'm gonna love you anyway. You can say all the negative things to me you want to say, but I'm not gonna respond in kind. Think what it would be like, guys, in an argument. How one sided argument would be if you decided when they start hollering, I'm not hollering back. Now, if you figure this out, come tell me. Because I didn't I didn't get a handle on this. By any stretch did I get a handle on this? You know? It was usually, she's hollering, I'm hollering, we're hollering, and we're hollering, and, you know, that kind of thing. And there was times when we were hollering at each other on the way home from church. <laughs> we're just saying, oh, I love Jesus, and we're hollering about something at each other on the way home from church. So you see, it's a, you know, what happens if, if you look at it and say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to respond that way. That's suffering for the gospel, for the truth. 
we're going to look at these scriptures next week. I want, I really want to look at them, and, and we're going to talk about why do we suffer? Why does God allow us to suffer in our life? And maybe when you look at it, you say, well, I've got a new perspective and a new, a new focus on why I'm going through this stuff, and why does God allow me to go through this stuff? Maybe there's some real good happening here that I just haven't tapped into yet. Okay? We'll see you next week, guys. Put it down.